You're listening to Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast, bringing you the best heat media guests every single week. Here's your host, Dan Healy, brought to you by at the Miami Heat UK social media network. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to episode 72 of Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast. I am your host, Dan Healy. Before we get on to today's episode, as always, please check out the YouTube channel, Miami Heat UK TV. This is where we have all of our game day from the UK live pre-game shows. We do that each and every game day. We have all our podcast episodes on there of Heating Up UK. We also have Oli Rahimi's Let's Talk Hoops podcast. They go on there as well. And as you may have realised, um, I've been talking about it enough, but in two weeks today, exactly two weeks today, almost to the hour, I shall be landing in Miami. I've got three games that I'm going to go and see for the heat, game, heat games. I'm also going to see a Panthers game. I'm going to see some Miami Open tennis. It is going to be great. Eight nights there. And you better believe I shall be vlogging everything. So you want to go and check out Miami Heat UK TV to see what I get up to. It's going to be great stuff. On to today's episode. And I'm delighted to welcome back for the second appearance on Heating Up the UK from Five on the Floor. It's Alex Toledo. Alex, how are you, sir? I'm doing all right, man. Glad to be back on. Yes, it's great to have you back on. Yeah, it's been probably about a year since we last spoke, um, and uh, a lot's happened in that time, obviously. Um, Alex, let's get straight into it. There's not been many reasons for concern or for misery this season whatsoever. The Heat have been flying, uh, sitting currently at the one c two games ahead. But last night, it didn't go to plan, not at all, really. Uh, and I want to get your thoughts, really, on what fundamentally went wrong, in your opinion, because the Heat for me, have struggled, have looked a little bit clunky and got off to some slow starts recently. Maybe as, as recent as, for example, the Houston game, where it took us almost the whole first half to really get going before we got into our rhythm. The Suns game was almost the complete opposite. We came out firing, we looked good on offense, Duncan was knocking them down. It was a really, and by half time, it was a really good, entertaining, competitive game. And that's where it ended because we, we, we never came out of the locker room, did we? The Phoenix Suns took over the game. Um, fundamentally, what went wrong for you for the Heat? Well, like you said, it was it was weird because usually they I feel like they're a team that's known for starting off well. And usually if Duncan Robinson is feeling it, that means they've had a great first quarter almost always. And that wasn't necessarily the case because they started off a little slow. Like you said, they were able to bring it back. But I was like I was glad that it was a good game by halftime, but I was a little bit I was feeling a little bit icky about some of the stuff going on. Like especially early on, there was a lot of botch switches, a lot of uh, easy points in the paint for the Suns, like Aiden was getting his way. And it was stuff that the Heat are usually pretty rock solid on. And, and we've known them for years now, but espe- but specifically this iteration of this Heat team is one that plays up to, to competition. And, you know, like that doesn't usually play around when it comes to elite teams. And so that was, that caught me off guard a little bit. They were able to fix some of those types of things, but they never really fixed the their interior defense, in my opinion. It was very up and down and, and kind of mo- more down to me just from what I watched yesterday. I I thought the zone wasn't great. Uh, Cooper Moorhead ended up tweeting out afterwards that they were getting absolutely torched in the drop. So a lot of things went wrong. And then the, the biggest thing that stood out was obviously the rebounding deficit. I don't I, I could pull it up right now. I think it was 18 or 20 rebounds that they got. Out, out, let me see. It's 17. So I just pulled it up right here. That's that's way too much. And it was like that throughout the whole game. But really, 
What's weird about it is their worst rebounding came in the first half, which is one they were only down by, by two at halftime. They kind of fixed the rebounding a little bit relative to the first half in that second half. But then in the second half, they weren't able to hit anything. They weren't able to defend. The Suns looked like they had the heat in clamps. They had them absolutely in prison. And the heat just never adjusted from it. They kept going back to, to Tyler. And Kyle never really looked for his own shot. And I, I like Bam looked pretty good at times, but they weren't necessarily empowering him to find his own shot. It was more as a lob threat. I feel like I covered a lot there, but it, it, it was just a weird game. And the way that it went down was not a typical heat. No, it was it, it sort of well summed up in terms of it was a weird game. It was a strange one. And they brought it up in commentary a couple of times. It was clear to see anyway that we was just getting butchered off the boards, um, off the glass. So, um, And that's been a problem for quite a while now with heat teams, not even necessarily just this team, but we've always seen... Um, like you look at, for example, losing to the Lakers in uh, the bubble in the NBA finals because that was just too big for us. And we've got smaller since then. And of course, when noticeable games like that come about, where it's so evident that, that it's such a clear reason why we're, we're, we're struggling and losing. Of course, Heat Twitter comes to the same rally cry of you've got to put in Yurtsevan. Um Now, I sort of dismiss this because I find it somewhat laughable. We know what um, Omar is good at, but is there some, some substance to this? I mean, would we have, could we have done with maybe a, a five, six minute period of, of inserting Omar and just tidying that up a bit? Do you think that would have helped in any way? I mean, maybe. I don't think, so like, I don't think Omer would have uh, solved what happened yesterday. Like, it, like I tried to go over it. It was just a lot going on and he wouldn't have been able to do it by himself. But I think last night could have been a game where because, Deadman actually looked rough, which is why I'm against playing years of it because of how good Deadman has looked throughout the past season, season and a half. Um, on a night like that, where Deadman clearly was getting outplayed, and you can rarely ever say that as far as who he's matching up against, uh, throw in years of it. Like, why not? And, and you know, he, he was putting up numbers, garbage time all star. But uh, when he finally did come in, so I'm not against Omer playing, but I just don't really think that's a fix for what happened last night. And as far as the rebounding and the size, I, I know I've said this a lot on five on the floor over the past couple of seasons, but it's just how I feel. I, just to push back on a little bit of the rebounding stuff, because I've been hearing that for a while with the Heat, but I, I think that was more of a problem last season. Like, I think last season, uh, I, I would have to pull up the numbers. They were a team that was a lot more up and down in rebounding percentage than they were even the season before when they went to the bubble. They were in the top five in rebounding percentage all season. And that is the case again this year. It might be even higher than that. I'm trying to like talk and pull up the numbers at the same time. But the last time I checked, they, they were still there. And as I'm talking, yeah, they're, well, there's six right now. So for as much as they're not a, a, a huge team and they may have had problems with certain guys, specifically huge guys like Aiden and Jokic who are very skilled, I think it, it's more to do with that specific matchups than it is a team rebounding thing because the numbers have suggested that two out of two out of the three seasons with Jimmy, they've been a, a good to very good rebounding team. I, I think the stuff with the Lakers, I think it had more to do with Bam just not being there. You know, I think I was always one who, who didn't believe in Kelly and Myers to be enough. Uh, even though I always like Kelly as a player, you just can't have a defense where your both of your bigs are not necessarily good lateral movers and not necessarily good rim protectors at all like I just didn't like the, the setup of that team defensively mm. uh specifically without Bam but 
I don't know. Like, I, I think the rebounding is not a, a big concern to me. It's more about specific big matchups. Like, that, that I, I, I will get concerns with, with the healthy Bucks or even the Bucks as they are now. I would get the concern with maybe having to face the Suns in the finals. I would get the concern with, you know, like if, let's say, in a world where the, the, the Nuggets were healthy, you had to face them. But to me, it's more about those types of things. And, and I'm a matchup guy. I, com- I completely agree. I, I, I totally nod along in agreement with that. And I think that guys just, they're too easy to just look at the fact that Omar is like a box score monster. And, um, you know, when they look at the last game, we, we, we blew out um, the Suns with Omar playing. Um, and that's what I think people just go back to that. And it's not as simple as that. It is a matchup thing, as you say. Um, of course, just touching on it before we come away from the game last night, um, both leaders on both teams out. No CP3 for the Suns, no Jimmy Butler for Miami. Um, both players obviously will have a, a massive influence on on how the heats or how that team's success will go down. Uh, we could have been watching a preview to the finals. This could very no one would really be massively surprised if this ends up being the NBA finals this year. Um, at both teams at full strength. Who do you give the edge to? Who do you think is more equipped here? I mean, you know, look, look, the the Suns are legit. They're the best team in the league for a reason. Do you think that it would come down to, you know, fine details, maybe a bit of luck? Or do you think that there's, I mean, these teams match up very well against each other. It would be a brutal, brutal series. But do you think there's a clear edge for either of these teams? No, there's no. definitely no clear edge. We, I think we, we talked about this on five on the four recently as far as the Western contenders and, I've gone back and forth on the war. Like I said before that I thought the Warriors would be a tougher matchup for the Suns, but the, the way that the Suns have dominated, it's kind of been hard to, to, to doubt them because, you know, Clay still hasn't looked exactly like Clay yet. So it, it, I think it, the Suns have less variables to worry about at this point, because we know what happens in the playoffs with Chris Paul. I'm not trying to say, and I'm not talking about his performance either. I'm just trying not to jinx anything here. So the Suns being healthy, absolutely, that would be an incredible matchup. I, I think it would be brutal, like you said. That, that's a great way to, to say because both of these teams are very good on both ends of the floor, and, and they're going to make sure that you don't get anything easy. And I, uh, we've been doing this stuff uh, called Off the Floor where it, it's this sort of subscription thing where all four of us from Five on the Floor have been providing content, stats, rumors, and, and it's this new thing that, that Ethan set up there and, and – we were talking during the game and we kind of go back and forth and do it on there. And I was talking about how like the Suns and the heat both allow the least amount of rim attempts. They're the bottom two teams. So they defend very similarly as far as their, their priority is to keep you away from the rim. And they do that by not only having strong rim protection and strong defenders, but the way that they defend and, and constantly collapsing, constantly sending uh, early and timely help. So they're very similar there, both team and the Heat a lot more threes than the Suns, but the Suns allow a lot more mid-range attempts. So I think a lot of that played out, whereas Tyler couldn't really get into his rhythm because even though they allow a lot of mid-range attempts, they needed Tyler to serve as the guy creating and getting into the paint, period, because Kyle wasn't really doing that. Kyle was the guy making others better, but he wasn't necessarily much of a threat to score last night. And I think Tyler, they, they kind of gave Tyler a bigger piece of the pie than he should have in, in a game like last night. Uh, I think they had to empower Bam and Kyle more as scorers, particularly in, in, when you're missing Jimmy. But uh, in a seven-game series, both teams healthy, I would still probably pick the Heat. Like, I just think the Heat are a little bit more de- uh, defensively versatile. 
I think they've got a little bit more juice offensively because I, that really comes down to me. It's a numbers game, and they've got a lot more guys who can do stuff with the ball in their hands. Like, I came away impressed with the Suns last night. Mikael Bridges is really impressive, too. But I'm looking at it. It's like the Heat have multiple – and this is why I always come back positive when it comes to the Heat in the playoffs. They have multiple guys that you can give the ball in different situations, not necessarily as ISO players, and who can make something happen. And so that's why we always talk about the, you know, clutch offense. Let's not do the whole Jimmy Iso thing. Just play your game. Do the stuff you do throughout the game. Uh, move the ball around screen. Do all of that. And I think when they're playing in their element like that, they're going to be really hard to beat with Kyle, Jimmy, Bam, Tyler. You've got Vic now in the mix. You've got PJ. You've got Dunk. Like, it's just a really deep team and a lot of different solutions to different problems. I think they can score a lot of different ways and, and they can defend – at the first or second highest level in the league. So I would give the edge to, to the Heat, but Suns have home court advantage, so it could really go either way. Yeah, I mean, that's just showing complete, you know, that's just the guts, isn't it? I mean, it's always Heat and Five, of course it is. We, I think it would be an incredible series. It would be bruising. It would be, um, yeah, it would come down. There would probably need to be some luck involved on that. But, um, yeah, that seven-game series, That's that. there's not going to be... We've seen the Heat face off against the Suns twice. Both games have ended up a blowout win for each team. You don't, I don't think you see that when it's locked into playoff time. It would be um, it would be pretty, pretty brutal. Now, you mentioned Tyler Harrow there. Um, of course, every time we play the Suns, we sort of come back to these uh, comments in his rookie year to when he was saying that he models his game on, on Devin Booker and he feels like that's the sort of elevation and, and maybe ceiling that he could reach in his career. Um, you know, Devin Booker has maybe got better since then as well. So that's, uh, I think the Heat's initial reaction was, okay, that's good, but you could be better than that. I think that maybe Devin Booker has got better since then. I think there's uh, there's no sort of a real, um, you know, judgment on that. But Tyler Harrow has been awesome since we've come back from All-Star break. Absolutely awesome. Lights out. He's, he, you know, it's not just a box score again. You can just see with his game, when the ball's in his hands now, you just you're confident that he's going to make something happen, and um, this is a complete testament to him. We've we've said um, in trade scenarios about players like um, Donovan Mitchell, for example, whether they would let him go for for, for him, uh, maybe uh, Booker being in the same sort of um, conversation as that. But right now, we've Tyler Hero still just 22, 23 years old. Would you tr- put him in that trade for maybe a more ready-made right now player or do you carry on with this leap that we keep seeing year on year i i haven't really thought about that much other than you know like when the donovan mitchell stuff has been brought up and we're you know we, we talk about it yeah i mean in theory i would do it i just don't really want to mess with what's going on this season i would feel bad doing it like i think i'm not really looking for them to do that i'm not anticipating a mitchell trade or anything like that but if I'm being real, it's just I, for as much as Tyler has gotten better, I just don't know that he ever gets to Donovan Mitchell's level who has performed in the playoffs a couple different times now, like a 1A superstar. Yeah. So yeah. it's a little bit different, right? And maybe it's a it's an aesthetic thing because I feel like Donovan is someone who, who's been a better playmaker, better rim attacker for a long time. But the, the Tyler has closed that gap. Not that he's yep. on uh Donovan's level or anything this season, but the way that he's played, like I'm not really thinking about trades when it comes to Tyler. I'm just keep doing your thing, keep coming off the bench, and he's still, you know, coming out number one in usage. A lot of times, number one in shot attempts or right around there. So I think it's a really good fit the way that it works right now. 
but it's going to be hard to, you know, say no if that were to ever become possible. Because I think, like, right now, Tyler, the way that, the way that he's set up is, you know, everybody else kind of does their thing. He just has to focus on the things he's good at. So I, I, think I, I love where he's at. I think that's the, the the best way to put it is that he has closed this gap. Look, you know, if you've got NBA neutrals listening to this conversation, they say, yeah, of course, you know, Devin, Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, they're, they're first options really on their team. They're, they're, they're elite all-star players. And the ceiling maybe that we're seeing from Tyler is that perhaps he might get to that level, maybe, whereas you're looking at these guys and they are there already. Um, so, yeah, I think that, um, but yeah, as you say, I don't think that he's closed the gap. He's keep working. He's younger. He's going to keep, progressing hopefully so right now yeah i'm letting him do his thing it's um it's a great thing for the heat he's been exceptional this season hopefully it continues into the playoffs let's come away from the suns game then and talk about the other big big news this week and that is of course vitriol adipo's return after 11 months out um obviously not much of a say in last night but the heat sort of picked this game really well in terms of his comeback game against houston rockets it was perfect for him and it went as well as it could. You, you couldn't have scripted it any better, could you? 15 minutes, 11 points, two for free from uh, from downtown, two charges drawn. That was exceptional. And uh, four assists. Uh, as I said, the Heat played a blinder with this return, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, the Vic's, the, the Vic debut was awesome. I, I I was there for it, and the people were so excited for him to come in. They, they you, could, you could feel the anticipation whenever he had the ball in his hands, even though he pretty much spent most of that game playing off ball. So it's not like they had him setting pick and roll, high pick and roll up top from the start. But anytime he had the ball, uh, you know, you could really feel that excitement. And he really delivered, right? It was nice. And, and, and Ethan said this on, the, on our pod that it was nice that they, and intentional, that they set him up to play versus the Rockets, who are just god-awful. And he really got his rhythm going that way. I think it's a confidence booster and it's, and to go up against these young guys and just be able to dust them, get to the rim and make a bunch of stuff happen, playing in an off ball role in, in a limited, uh, limited playing time in your first game back. Like that's gotta be a hell of a confidence booster for a guy who's had multiple injuries back to back after, you know, kind of coming down from being an, an up and coming star, up and coming uh, perennial all-star. So I, I'm just, I was really happy for him to have that game. Uh, I think last night was kind of more reality check because yeah. <laughs> uh, he had to go up against a really good Suns team. The Heat just never really got into an offensive rhythm other than, you know, something in that first half. But even then, it was a very, uh, you know, that it, it wasn't a game where Vic necessarily got into his own rhythm there. But I think he, he wasn't awful, but he just didn't really stand out like he did the other night where he was getting so many stops and getting to the rim. And, you know, he made the open threes. He was fine. And and that's the thing is my expectations are where they are with Vic is he's going to be a role player until proven otherwise. Mm. And so he had a great game for a role player in his debut. And last night he just had a, you know, a fine game, a decent game for a role player, two of five, three assists. Like that's okay. It's, it's also, it's like the box score right now just does not matter. It's all about reps and minutes and just getting back into the, the rhythm of playing basketball at this level. So um, it was great that he had that opening night, um, you know, exceptional game in the 15 minutes that he showed. That was really, really great to see. Uh, but as I said, right now, um, the next handful of games, even arguably the rest of the remainder of the regular season, it doesn't really matter. We're not going to be looking massively at bot scores. We're going to be looking at what he can do and just getting those minutes under his belt because uh, if we can get, um, you know, a 70 75%, 80% Vic back, then we're in good shape. Um, one thing before we leave Vic um, that really, really highlighted 
um, was just how emotionally um, sort of drawn towards this player that the, the, the crowd are. Um, as I said, I think Ethan said it on your pod is that it was like he's been here 10 years. It's like he's a lifer and yet he's played five games, well, six games now for the Heat. Um, and that really shows to um, a testament and a credit to the man of how well he's bought into this team, how he's, you know, he's, he's been a cheerleader on the bench. He's completely bought in. Um, and, you know, everybody's been so happy for him, both through the bench and the crowd, as I said, chanting his name. You know, as I said, this is a guy who's played a handful of games. It's a real testament to him and how he's bought into this team, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And I think it was obviously rumored before that he'd ever acquired him that he wanted to be here. And then uh, after he did, he, he was open about that. He then he then showed that and by re-signing with the Heat on a veteran minimum after, like I said, he was an all-star not that long ago. And who knows what the market was. Maybe he, he had nothing else other than veteran minimum offers, for all I know. But regardless, that was what happened. He, he never complained. There hasn't been anything. And I know the Heat are quiet, so it's not something you would necessarily hear anyways. But there hasn't been anything but, uh, you know, patience, enthusiasm, enthusiasm uh, from not only him, but from the guys who are now losing minutes because of Vic being back in the guys like uh, Gabe and Max, who, you know, Max got back in last night because of Caleb Martin getting hurt. And, 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 and uh, Gabe got back in because of Jimmy not playing, but you know, uh, Spo might've signaled the other night that that might be the future rotation. Mm. And that's, it was just the first night it was against the Rockets. So I may be getting ahead of myself there, but that could be the, the case. And and everybody has dealt with it in such a professional and like, I don't know what the word is like symbiotic type of way where everybody is on the same page, at least from that, from an outside looking in perspective, I, I it seems like they're all on the same page. They're all rooting for each other's success and they talk about it all the time, but I, I, I believe it. Like mm. it doesn't, it doesn't feel like just talk the way mm. that they, not only do it for, you know, for the public when they post about each other, but you can see it on the court. You can see it uh, on the sidelines. The guys are, are really there getting crazy energetic for each other whenever whenever any of them are making a play. I see it. Like, I, I'm sitting right there. And it, you can see it on, on, on TV, too. Like, it's, it's a high-energy team, and they all like playing with each other. They'll sacrifice that they have. Yeah, it's... Um... <laughs> As I said, I think that we probably will start to see now the rotation being what Spo wants it to be in terms of maybe Max and Gabe minutes shrinking. They'll only come in, like you said, like last night, where there's an injury, their, their chance comes back up again. And we may see a bit of that, but I think at full strength now, um, that, that's going to be the way forward. I've, I firmly believe that. I think that we'll have Tyler and Oladipo being the six and six and a half man off the bench. Um, so that'll be, um, that, that, that'll be probably the way forward. And uh, for, for the guys to, to just be so behind him just shows, as you said, how well drilled this team is and how they're all playing for each other. And that's what sometimes sets, the, sets the, the, the good teams to the championship winning teams. So we'll see how it goes down. Let's finish, Alex, with, um, with what's up next. Um, as I said, 15 games to go now. So we are at the business end of the season. It's the time where we start looking at where we concede, where we're going to match up and so on. Um, the Heat have 10, uh, 10 games left at home, five on the road. Um, I'll just run through these games with you. At, on, um, at the FTX Arena, we have the Cavs, the Thunder, uh, sorry, the Cavs, the Timberwolves, the Pistons, the Thunder, the Warriors, Knicks, Nets, Kings, Hornets, Hawks. So relatively kind. But then on the road, 
a lot more brutal. Sixers, Celtics, Bulls, Raptors, and then ending with the Magic. Um, I try and look at it as though if we can get through that stretch 10 and 5 or 11 and 4 maybe is more realistic. I think maybe 11 and 4 is perhaps the way I would I would I would pit that. That would then mean that for the Heat not to get the first seed the Sixers would need to only be allowed to drop two more games for the whole season because of the tiebreaker situation. Actually, I'm not sure the Bucks. The Bucks might be a little bit less, but let's just say if we finish 11 and four, which is achievable, then that means that, that as I said, the two challenging teams that are on our backs can only drop twice more. Are we looking at the Heat now, realistically, unless something goes wrong, as pretty much a lock for the one seed, or is that too premature? Well, I think I was leaning more towards that before you gave me the, the some of the math there, and that, that made me a little bit nervous because it's, it's like uh, now now you made me feel like the Heat have to do really good in order to keep these teams uh, off their back. But uh, I was looking up – I've been referring to this some, uh, throughout the season, but I was looking it up right now as you spoke. The, the Tankathon, shout out to them, their strength of schedule page here for, for remaining games. The Heat are actually 25th as far as win percentage. So – what that means is 25th easiest. So that's very uh, that's very favorable for them. And like you said, you, you you broke it down well there. Most of their tough games are on the road. So that's where it's a little tricky. But uh, honestly, I'm not too worried about it. Uh, I, I think they kind of I, – I wouldn't be surprised if they end up with the one seed. Like that's kind of where my mind has been at this point. That, that wasn't what, what my mentality was at when the season started or even after – they first got the one seat, but they've had it for so long now. And I, I just kind of have the expectation that they're going to maintain there. So that's not much great analysis. But the thing with them is I'm not really worried about them versus good teams. They've proven all season that they can be good teams. And, you know, they might drop a couple of those bad ones. Like they're, they've got the Magic, the Pistons, the Thunder, you know, you named it. They've got a, they've got a few bad teams left, which yeah. is why they rank so favorably on this list. So. To me, think, it's more about just maintaining that seed, even though at this point, they should probably just be doing, a, you know, f- figuring out what works, what doesn't, when you're talking about the coaching angle and, and just thinking about what matchups you, you might have to face. Yeah, and I think that what maybe helps as well is if you get the business done at home, whether he have been so good, um, those, I think we finished with four of the last six on the road. So all those tough games, um, the, 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 the Bulls and Celtics, Bulls, Raptors, for example, they will come right at the end of the schedule. Um, yeah. So it might be at the point then where it is pretty much done. And, Here's you know, you might even get in a, in a chance where you can start to uh, start to rest some players. You know what it's going to come down to, isn't it? You're going to come down to we're going to need a win in the last game against the fucking Magic and end up dropping it <laughs> to Orlando and end up in the second seed. But um, let's just sort of quickly have a look then at potential face-offs in the first round we won't go we won't go further than the first round because it gets too messy but I would say now the top five are locked it doesn't matter what position at the moment but they're locked sixth Cleveland probably but they've only got I think two and a half or three games over uh, above Toronto now um and Toronto have been up and down they're starting to come back a bit to full health what people are saying to me is oh you know Miami are going to finish first and then you're going to end up with the Nets in the first round well that probably doesn't happen and the reason why I think that is because when the Nets come back to full health which they almost are they're going to start being good they're going to start winning but I don't see them getting above anything other than seven there's too much of a gap there unless the Cleveland really do fall off which is possible because they've got a really tough finish but let's say they finish in that plane which is seven or eight well you would back 
the Brooklyn Nets at health in a one-off game to beat whoever it is, probably Toronto, which means they're probably more than likely to finish seventh. So unless the Heat drop off, we're probably not going to be playing the Brooklyn Nets. We're probably going to be playing the Toronto Raptors here. Do you follow that logic or do you, do you feel like, you know, given one of the two, Brooklyn or Toronto, we've struggled against Toronto as well this year. That's a tough first round. But if you had to pick one of those two, unless Cleveland do fall, do you think it's going to be one of those two? And if so, who are you preferring? Uh, yeah, I, I do follow the logic. I was actually talking about it today with somebody who's a friend of mine who's a Nets fan. And I said, see, in the first round. And then I thought about it. I'm like, wait. And I, and I looked at the playing rules again because it confuses <laughs> me. But I, I, when, I ref, when I had to when I re- refresh myself on it, I'm like, oh, wait, wait yeah, they're not, they're not going to play the Nets. Because like you said, the, and he was t- saying it too. He's like, from everything I've heard and read is the – is that they're going to get Kyrie back soon. He's going to start playing at home soon. Not that any of that is official, but that's just kind of what, what he's talking about, you know, because he's in tune. I'm not really in tune what's going on with the Nets. Yeah. And he was saying that they, that they kind of expect Simmons back next week. I'm like, so, you know, they obviously have to get used to each other a little bit, but I think they're going to get rolling pretty soon. So uh, I'm, I don't expect them to blow the game. Like, it would be funny. It would, it would be pretty funny. Like, just from a, an NBA fan perspective, if they blew the, the playing game and, all of a sudden are in a different situation and, you know, but uh, I'm expecting them to win that game and I'm expecting the heat to stay in the first seed, like I said. So I, I don't think you play them and look, man, the heat have struggled with the Raptors after we, after the heat played them, I, I said on the pod that, you know, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a great matchup for the heat, but I would still pick them. With that being said, there's no way I'm saying I'm picking the, the nets as a matchup for the heat over the Raptors. Like, I understand everything that, that uh, going on with the Nets. They've been so up and down. They haven't really proven that they're a championship team by any means. But I'm just not going to doubt Kevin Durant in the playoffs. I, I know Kyrie Irving is going to step up in the playoffs. I think they have guys who've already proven it as decent playoff role players when it comes to, like, you know, guys like Seth Curry, Bruce Brown. I think Claxton is going to get some fair share there. I think Simmons is going to help with a lot of those things. I think he's going to be a really good fit for them just basketball-wise. Like, he's got a lot of shooters he can set up there. I think if they play small like they should, uh, he's going to have a lot more space to get to the lane. I mean, obviously, he's going to actually want to do that. That's kind of been his issue is not only can he not shoot, but he doesn't actually want to put the ball up when he gets to the rim. He, he, he just wants to pass. But in a theoretical world, that net fit makes a whole lot of sense, especially if you go small and start switching everything like the Heat have struggled against. So if the Nets were to match up and, and not really play German, not really play Aldridge, just uh, either start Claxton or, or start off small with Simmons and KD as your bigs and you just switch everything, that would give the Heat a lot of trouble when you're just talking about defense. And that's not where the Nets uh, – that's not the Nets' strength. So just talk about – and then you get, get to the offensive side. I've said before, I think this trade made it easier for the for the Heat to defend them in a, in a playoff series, just kind of thinking it through because, you know, you can send more help at KD – oh, my God, KD and Kyrie and getting uh, – and, you know, just kind of leaving Simmons, right? And, and mm. whoever's guarding him can – because the Heat always want to send help. So it's a lot easier to do that when Ben Simmons is on the floor when, instead of James Harden. So, I, like I said, I it would be easier than it was before, in my opinion. I still don't want to do that in the first round. And I think, like, they already learned that lesson last year. Just, you know, if you have opportunity to avoid the best team or one of the two best teams, maybe you should. But I, you know that's not how the heat that's not how the heat operates. So I, I'm I think it will be 
I think it would be disappointing if the Heat did all this work to get the one seed and then have to play Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Man. and the Nets in the first round. It, it would be a gut punch, wouldn't it? I mean, you, you do your job, you get the one seed. It's exciting, of people, but my God. A lot of people would not have had Miami to finish the one seed. We may well have done, but a lot of people wouldn't. And you do that. And you end up with Kevin Durant in the first round. Oh, man, that would be a gut punch. We don't want it. Of course, we will take whatever is in front of us. But, man, yeah, I mean, Toronto have given us troubles. But give me that series all day over over KD, Kyrie, and so on. Um, In a word, then, if I could offer you, the Cavs have got a buffer. But they have got a really tough schedule to finish. If I could offer you, is a yes or no? If I could say, yeah, right, it's the Cavs now. Taking it? To play the Cavs? In the first round. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I'm saying with or without Jared Adler. They're, they're cool. I respect what they've done. They're a good team. But come on, man. Like, g- give me the Cavs all day. The Heat will make Laverde and uh, Darius Garland weep, and their the offense is suddenly going to look really ugly. I mean, the Heat might have a, a little bit of a tough time scoring here and there, but Heat in five when it comes to the Cavs. I think that would be an easier series than the Raptors. Oh, I, I agree. Yeah, I mean, we've struggled. We're 0-2 against the Cavs this season. Uh, about to play them next, of course. We've got them tomorrow night, so that'll be a good indication. But yeah, I'm with you. If you could give me that, I would snatch your hand off for the Cavs. We'll say so much more basketball to come before we get to this sort of stuff. It's exciting times. Let's hope the Heat can lock in that one seed. Alex, it was brilliant to talk to you. For anybody that doesn't know, of course, where can they find you? Oh, uh, Five on the Floor podcast, and at some point soon, uh, clutch points. <laughs> awesome stuff. Great stuff. It was great to talk. Um, yeah, I will be over in Miami in two weeks. Uh, who knows if you're at the arena, um, we'll, we'll meet up and grab I'll a drink. That'd be, be great. There. I'll definitely be there, man. We gotta, we gotta meet up at halftime or something. That'd be awesome. Right, guys. Um, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back uh, next week with another episode. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, of course. We've got back-to-back coming up against the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers and then the Minnesota Timberwolves. So be sure to check out Game Day from the UK on our YouTube channel, Miami Heat UK TV. Please subscribe to that. Until then, we'll see you next week. Take it easy, guys. You've been listening to Heating Up the UK. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts to ensure you never miss a show. Also, go give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by finding our page at the Miami Heat UK. And subscribe to our YouTube channel, Miami Heat UK TV, for our latest shows and fun content. That's your Miami Heat from across the pond. Covered. Thanks for listening.